Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. So it's the end of a hiking day. How much energy do you have to then do something minor or small afterward? You mean like a minor trail? No, I mean like a minor league baseball game. Well, that's what I figured. Uh Because you know that this is my jam. Well, I mean, I have to clarify because there are sometimes like activities and places like seeing a piece of theater or like um, things like that. And um, those are typically unallowed by you because you're the one who cries tired, Uh food, need to lay down. How dare you try and ask me to go to a piece of theater at this time? And I'm like, I'm curious how they would do Cinderella here in West Yellowstone. Uh Of course, I won't get to know because we have to take care of you. Because I'm the, you know, the stick in the mug always. Always. Great. Glad to establish that. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Or that lovely little production, I'm sure, that happens in Medora that I'll never know. I'll never know about. <laughs> because... Right. The one where we had to drive 40 minutes to get to the Airbnb and then 40 minutes back mm-hmm. in the dark. But, you know, the arts. I hate them. <laughs> Clearly. I'm glad. I'm glad we've... <laughs> I'm glad it's all out in the open now. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. I yeah. loathe them. So mm-hmm. much loathing. So much. Um, <laughs> no, obviously... I I can do those activities on my own if I would like. But you never and do because I you're t- codependent. <laughs> I'm codependent. Okay, great. That's great. why you like Codapaxi so much because it sounds just like codependent. That's it. That's, That's why it. we're so much of it. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> Not it's a sponsor. True. Not a sponsor. No. But I, we love them. It's true. Um <laughs> No, obviously, I could do those things on my own if I wanted to. You could, but you'll just listen to me sing River the rest of the Right, and you'll just just be like, remember when you left me alone? (laughs) Remember when you abandoned me that evening? Let the record show that I have gotten multiple texts from you that say abandoned, (laughs) so I don't know who the one with abandonment issues is here. Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, really? Okay, (laughs) so I'm clearly the solo party here in this venture with the abandonment issues. It's true. Uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> I don't cry at night. <laughs> no, not at all. And it doesn't take one to know one at all nope. in that scenario. Mm-hmm. So how much energy <laughs> do you have at the end of a day? A hiking 
hiking today to do something small. Well, I d- truly, I, I mean, it depends on what we've just done. Right. Um, I mean, there is the day. I mean, everybody go listen to that episode because it's wild. Um, it would actually be episode 12. No, episode 11, because um, ep- episode 10 is Angel's Landing. Mm-hmm. We did Angel's Landing in Zion. It was wild and epic. It was. Pre-permit. Pre-permit. And we almost had to like do... Oh, we almost had an accident on that slope. We don't talk about the time you pooped your pants. (laughs) That's right. That's what I mean by accident. Mm -hmm. But after that day or after that hike, we ended up doing... Five more things. Five more trails. And they weren't that small. No. We did a lot of big trails. I think that was one of our longest hiking days. It was like something like 17 miles of hiking. That's one of the longer ones. Oh, yeah. So I think that was sort of where it started. Like the idea idea of like we did a long epic hike and now we're gonna add on and see what happens yeah so we're always kind of thinking about that i think i think so yeah you know like, we're, we always have like a mike ryan master plan that's stupidly ridiculous that, that is unrealistic unachievable absolutely not realistic like i do remember the day you were like i planned for us to do 37 miles this day and i was like in what world (laughs) girl well this is something we've also discovered about each other i'm one that likes to load up the planning of the day and take things away as like you're you tend to be more oh i can plan and add things on and yeah or i can realistically plan it out and know like because you're going okay we're gonna do this 14 mile hike then we could do this option six this optional eight this optional four this optional seven and then this optional two mile hike right and i'm like we're gonna do the 14 mile hike and then we might do the two mile hike maybe maybe and like so now i just am in a place where i'm like i know that um your plan is not meant to be realism your plan is meant to be like fantasy complete and total fantasy Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And once I'm on board with that, mm-hmm. or once I got on board with that, it was things went a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for adventure. I want to follow on the trail or get a little lost and let the wind fill my sails. Get up when the stars still fill the sky. Don't wake the sun. There's so much to be done. And the day has just begun. Go where the postcards are real. You can feel. You can open your eyes and open your heart when you gaze at the National Park. National Parks at the National Parks. Follow you, I'll follow you there. We would like to acknowledge that while hiking and visiting the land, also known as Big Bend National Park, that we were on the traditional and stolen land of the Humanos, Cohucatan, Mescalaro Apache, Lions Apache, and Chizos people. Okay, so this episode is called Small Trails. It is. Here in Big Bend Tiny National Gal, Park. Or Tiny Gals. <laughs> right, Tiny Gals on the town. Mm-hmm, These yep. small trails. But there were quite a few of them, and we 
loved them and we felt like we wanted to uh, make a whole episode about them. They actually take place in two days. So they were sort of these tag-ons that we were able to do at the end of our kind of very epic days that we had in Big Bend. We also had another small trail that'll be part of our last episode that really just fits in because it's essentially exactly what we did on that day and that'll be on Santa Elena Canyon. But the first two trails, the Dugout Wells and the Boquios Canyon, took place after our first day of hiking. Which included doing the Lost Mine Trail followed by the Window Trail. Yep. Then we went into these two mm-hmm. trails. And the Fossil Bone Exhibit, which isn't a trail but more of an experience, um, happened after our second day, which was after our very, very long epic hike on the South Rim Trail. That's right. Mm-hmm. There were a ton of small trails throughout the park. A lot of them could be done within a half an hour to an hour. So we added them as we had the time and the energy. Exactly. Something we've, you know, obviously established. None of us have abandonment issues. <laughs> None. None. Zero. I thought I was abandoned many times as a small child in a food store. So, Oh, you know, and there we go. And there it is. And here it is, uh-huh. everybody. <laughs> As we and I was um, like, I'll now just how live on my own. So let's talk about why you um go to the grocery store religiously once a week on Thursday evenings, and um how does that connect to your abandonment <laughs> in a grocery store? Well, since did then, you need to establish consistency with the grocery store? Since we're on our casual recording times, and I'm sitting on a couch, I might as well lay down and just let it all out. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Apparently, I do. I do do that. That's a COVID leftover thing. It's a two-week shop, guys. I just, I kept it. So I love it. Other small trails that we wanted to do, but we didn't get to do because we didn't have four-wheel drive when we were in Big Bend was... Mistake. uh, Yeah. We should have done that. um, Included Balanced Rock, which is Grapevine Hills, and also Hot Springs. These were very highly recommended trails, especially Balanced Rock. um, But it's definitely not ideal to try to make this trail happen unless you're working with a vehicle that could go off-road. Sidebar, after our long hike on the South Rim Trail, when we were sitting outside of the visitor center we got to be chatty with a few people one person who was in from new jersey and another person who was in from philadelphia and he had said that oh yeah we rented a car he was there with a few friends um yep crack the windshield first day and we were like oh great okay, good for you <laughs> so mm-hmm, definitely work with those four-wheel drive vehicles but also expect the fact that stuff like this can happen so insurance so balance rock is definitely something to do and something that people continued to recommend if when we would talk to other hikers they had mm-hmm. done balance rock they would recommend it when we talked to rangers they would recommend it so everybody apparently balance rock is something to really do That's and something at. we'll do next time when we have four yeah. wheel drive it was about a seven mile round trip hike well that would have been if we'd parked on the road as oh. we had asked ranger christie and she did not recommend that because it would have been exposed and very dusty so there are in fact over 150 miles or so of trails um in big bend national park we did about 30 miles in about three days and uh most of it was on our first two days So after hiking the window trail on our first day, we were at the Chisos Basin Visitor Center and we said, okay, let's um, add on another hike here. So let's um, drive toward Rio Grande Village. So on this first day, our trail itinerary included Dugout Wells, Boquios Canyon, and the Rio Grande Nature Trail. This is what we had hoped to achieve after hiking through 
the Lost Mine and the Window Trail. Now, this is a desert park, and we were curious if we would see snakes. And on this drive over, we did. Mm -hmm. We did not just see one. We saw two snakes. Coiled around each other. That's right. And you asked a question very poignantly. Are those two snakes making love? Mm -hmm. But it was more like, are are those two snakes making love? (laughs) Right. Very accusatory. And accusatory. Shame. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then we said snaking love because... (laughs) That feels appropriate. Snaking love, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So based on our map, we weren't exactly sure where Dugout Wells was, but we knew that it wasn't that far past the visitor center. It's not that we weren't sure, it's just that there wasn't really any sort of road sign indicator as we were driving. We did on our drive there see something that kind of looked like it, and then we were like, oh, no, that was it. So we had to turn around and go back. The turnoff was the dirt road. It was somewhat bumpy. There are plenty of bumpy dirt roads here in Big Bend. There was definitely that moment of anxiety with the car because it's a rental and we're like, oh, didn't get the four wheel drive. Did <laughs> yeah. we, should we have done that yeah. just to do this? Um, but it was fine because like we were able to get to the parking area um, pretty easily and it was, um, and we just went very slow. It was a very, very slow drive. So eventually we, as we're driving, we get to a one-way circle and turn right and park right near the restroom. Uh, there's also a picnic area that's at Dugout Wells that you could park at as well. Um, it's not a particularly large area to park, but we also weren't in a space or time where it was very crowded in Big Bend, so it was pretty easy for us to find parking. So technically, Dugout Wells is the area of the park, but the trail is called the Chihuahua Desert Nature Trail, and it was one of our favorite nature trails. Absolutely. We absolutely loved it, especially during this time of the year that we were there because all of the cacti were in bloom. We were there during the big bloom and it was pretty spectacular. This half mile loop, because that's all it is, is absolutely worth it because it, while it is an interpretive trail, you also get incredible, beautiful surrounding scenery and the, an incredible variety of desert plant life. And if you're lucky enough to go at the same time that we were there in the spring when this is happening, maybe you're also catching the big bloom um, because stupendous. Also, things you're getting here is like beautiful big sky view. There's flatland around for just miles and miles and the Chisos Mountains are in the distance. You can also see javelina tracks here, which is a very special animal that is found in Big Bend. I really wanted to see Javelina. We did not. We didn't see Mm-mm. Javelina. Mm-mm. So set yourself up for this. Most of this is a cactus garden, a Lachola cactus garden, but you also pass through a desert oasis that has deciduous trees, bamboo, and palms. So this was a really strange surprise considering we are in this desert park. Um, that was not something I expected to see, but it was very, very cool. And immediately it was just like, There's so much cacti. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very easy to like, I remember our eyes would sort of just like seeing all of the cacti, taking all of it in as like one thing. But then like if you sit there for a second and you let your eyes adjust, you're like, oh, all of these cacti are so different. Yeah. Okay, there's this one and then there's this Mm -hmm. one and then there's this one that looks like that. And then there's three of those over there and there's two of them here. And like it was really, really cool. Yeah. So some things that we saw on the trail. So this is a great interpretive signage in the park. These All these interpretive signs are via the NPS, um, but I think it's worth it to talk about them and also kind of talk about the experience while we were there. So uh, 
The first sign we ran across was desert plants are adaptive to aridity through small leaves or none at all. Waxy coatings, rounded shapes, shallow roots, thick saps, spines, and thorns for shade and protection. End quote. This is absolutely something that was very apparent from just walking through this desert loop. The variety, the sheer variety of cacti, and really just seeing the very different shapes. Not only that, but there are very clear differences with the spines on the cactus, plus their their leaves, if there are any leaves. So this was a, a nice sort of introduction to what we were going to be experiencing on this half mile loop. Most desert animals sleep during the day and um, or are in the shade. It did say on one of the signs that, quote, nighttime is the right time for most desert animals, end quote. Which makes a lot of sense, considering the heat of the day that most things would probably be avoidant of that high desert heat and probably be out during the nighttime when the temperatures are cooler and more stable animals are able to kind of thrive and sustain a little bit more so that doesn't mean we didn't see animals in the daytime obviously we saw the two snakes snaking love on the roadside that's right but and also plenty of birds but um i think any sort of like mammally animals would be hiding or burrowed at that time so there were a number of um prickly pear cactuses here including blind prickly pear engelman prickly pear and purple prickly pear one of the interpretive signs about desert decay said the following quote in the desert you will find both healthy and unhealthy plants fungi and bacteria which break down dead plant and animal tissues are less abundant in the desert and decay takes longer under your feet desert termites are hard at work breaking down decaying plants while overhead vultures and ravens are on patrol filling their roles as sanitation crew end quote which i know you hated to hear oh i know right <laughs> There were, I have to say, I mean, there are vultures everywhere, right? Vultures mm. are pretty much all over the place. Mm-hmm. Roberta Prey. R- Roberta Prey, mm-hmm. right? If one is close to the ground, that means like literally something's dead and they are like circling to try and like get it, right? Because vultures eat things that are already dead. Yeah. But um, it w- there were a lot of vultures in Big Bend mm-hmm. and they, we even saw some of them roosting. And it was great. I do think it's interesting when we think about decay in a desert atmosphere because it isn't something that you're seeing in other spaces. You know, a lot of the times you think about moisture having a big impact on decay. So in a desert where that's less abundant, this is obviously something that is going to take a lot longer. I also think about desert microbes and how, you know, it's so important to stay on designated trails because microbial growth in the desert takes an incredible long period of time to happen. Um, And that's something that we learned in Arches, you know, on our first trip and our first trip ever together. So, yeah, this is something that just is when you think about a desert atmosphere or environment or a park, it's very different, especially if you're not used to that environment and you're used to more forest land or beaches. Um, It's just a very, very different space to kind of experience. Um, When we think about other things that we saw within this part of the trail, talking about cacti, um, two things come to mind. Um, So one of the interpretive signs said the following, quote, spines are prickly pears' main defense against being eaten, but they don't always work. Rodents bite between the spines 
while javelina simply ignore the sharp points. These animals also help new cactus plants begin growing by knocking off pads, which may soon take root. And a lot of the times those are taking root in the shade of another plant, so there's a little bit more of sort of like this nursery plant. Um, environment happening within the park, um, mm-hmm. which is again nursery. When we think about nursery trees, that's something I think we learned about in in Sequoia and Kings Canyon. The idea of these older trees that may have fallen, where trees may take root in the decay of that tree. Here, it's more of these plants are being sheltered by larger plants that help them to kind of come into their own wonder. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I thought was really interesting was all of the plants that are not cacti that grow alongside cacti that kind of look like they're cacti Mm -hmm. but aren't cacti (laughs) in the same way that you know there were reptiles that lived at the time of dinosaurs that aren't considered dinosaurs right right? Mm -hmm. one of these was candlewood plants Mm -hmm. and um something that is distinctive about candlewood plants and they are so cool yeah and they were everywhere yeah is that candlewoods have leaves uh, but only when water is pressed in the soil otherwise they drop and they look dead but they are still alive and they do kind of look like a very strange cactus that's like got really skinny arms that's stretching into they're the very spindly like they just kind of are these very rigid sort of pole cactuses but they're not cacti they're candlewood plants and we saw these everywhere not just in Um, this section, but this was the first time that we were directed of the difference, which was great to, you know, understand that. There are also five different types of yuccas in the Chihuahuan Desert. That was cool to find out. And then there were also these plants called Shindagger plants. Those have like a tall flower stalk that after about 10 to 20 years of life, the Shindagger will send the stalk up it will bloom and then the plant will basically die after. But it's called a shin dagger because all of the um, stuff around the base um, is like right at shin level yeah. and it will stick And if you run into it. Right. And this was very similar, I feel like, to silver swords on Haleakala because they would also, yeah. they lasted, I think they were like century plants though. I think mm-hmm. silver swords are about 100 years and then they will also flower at the end of their life and die. Which is a great way to just pass on to the new generation and hope that there are more silver swords and shin daggers. And we definitely saw a bunch of shin daggers on the um, the window trail, and it was really interesting to see because the flower stalks are very tall, um, and a lot of them we saw were already dead. Um, so everything was kind of like brown, kind of very aged looking. Um, so we had seen full life cycle there. I am fascinated by like what you just said or what you just brought up when it comes to like end of a life cycle how like these plants that you're just talking about go through like this epic kind of gorgeous beautiful transformation and then die yeah i mean i hope that for myself (laughs) right in some sort of beautiful way like there can be like a big beautiful transformation and Mm -hmm. then and then the end Mm mm-hmm You know, some other things that we learned while on this trail included that flash flooding happens and can happen, you know, depending on the rain situation within the park, because the soil is so arid, it's not going to retain or gain moisture very quickly. So flash floods can be incredibly dangerous in a desert park. We also learned that thorny plants were a haven for birds and other small mammals to help keep predators at bay. We also learned that this park has the most variety of cactuses of any park in the park system, which in this space seems absolutely true. And I don't doubt that at all. The cool thing about the Chihuahuan Desert Nature Trail is that 
after you walk through mostly a desert loop with tons of cactuses, candlewood plants, shindaggers, seeing all these interpretive signs, you do end up in this very strange but beautiful oasis area where there are these deciduous trees. There are clearly water clearly around water, in the ground. Gra- like grasses. Um, yeah, the green is different. It's very, very strange considering... Well, yes, when we were in the mountains of the South Rim Trail, we were seeing more trees and things like that. But this feels like it's very sustainable here. And the the tree growth and the other plant life growth is a clear indication that water is constantly here um, in this very small space. So it's very clear that this section of the park was very important for people who either were indigenous to the park space or who moved through the park space. This is such a small, easy, and very doable trail that it would be hard to say pass it up, especially because you really are seeing so much and getting to experience the desert in a way that you might not get a chance to see on such a small exposed trail. And in total, that took us only about 15 minutes to walk the whole loop. Right. Really doable, really easy, totally flat. We did it in sneakers and we learned so much. And with that, let's take our first break. All right, we're playing adjective, noun, verb. We do love adjective, noun, verb. This is an alliterative game. Mm-hmm. So would you like to go first? Sure. Tara? We've got okay. two each. So you're trying to guess a phrase. Well, there's three. Yeah. There's three words in the phrase mm-hmm. that do make a sentence because mm-hmm. they have. I mean, you only need noun and a verb per mm-hmm. sentence, but we're thrown in an adjective too. <laughs> Why not? And they are alliterative. Mm-hmm. You got to guess it. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Envious large ogres vibrating. <laughs> Is it greedy goblins gyrating? <laughs> it's not greedy goblins gyrating, though. I like greedy goblins gyrating. No, it's jealous giants gyrating. Okay. Gyrating is a J. You got I thought the, it was a G. It is a G, but it's just the J sound. I know, but it's got to be alliterative. Jealous isn't a J jealous word. Girl, it's about the sound. It's not oh. about the the... Right, in the same way that, like... You did say it was an alliterative game, though, at the start of this. Alliterative is in in reference to sound. Oh, well, I always referenced it as the starting letter. No, no, it's in sound. Well, I learned something So, jealous giants gyrating is alliterative. (laughs) Okay, great. That's how it goes, Scream at me some more. I will. (laughs) All right. No, it's not, no. I always knew alliteration is first letter. So would same. grateful gnomes be alliterative? No, it wouldn't be. Sure it would be. No, it wouldn't yes, be. Yes, because it's no, the same starting no, letter. It's not alliterative. Okay. Noble gnomes is alliterative. All right. Because, no, I'm sorry. No, it's about sound. Well, this is news to me. That, Get well, ready. Yes. Get ready for mine then. <laughs> well, I'm ready for yours because <laughs> is it full of silent K's? <laughs> yep, yep. Hard, hard K sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Knackful kicks. <laughs> Knifing. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Somebody woke up <laughs> angry. <laughs> no. I'm just like, no, no. Alliteration is about sound. All right. Well, it's about sound. This is what I learned today. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yours. Okay. Thankful 
folks who work with plants making cheese into small pieces. So it's grateful gardeners grading. Yes. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. Okay, my second one. Sugary sweetened wax shapes that you light on fire with a wick storing jam that they've created in glass jars. Well, it's not saccharin, but... No. It's something candles canning. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I've added sugar to it and it's hardened a little bit. Caramelized candles canning. Okay, I'll take it. I was thinking candied candles. Candied candles. Canning. Candies can... Ooh. <laughs> candied candles <laughs> canning. Okay. All right. Calm and willing to wait... Lung doctors walking the floor back and forth. Patient pulmonologist pacing. That's correct. Look at you. And that's adjective noun verb. So after we finished with the Chihuahuan Desert Nature Trail, we continued our drive toward Rio Grande Village. And we were making our way towards the Boquillos Canyon Trail. So we make a turnoff that we think is for the canyon, but it was just for an overlook. And there looked to be some items set up at the top of the overlook, probably for some sort of interpretive programming that was not currently going on. It also looked like a bunch of wares that could have also been ceremonial goods. Uh, So we head back out and we head toward the canyon from here and we find the parking lot. It was literally at the end of this one road. We get out and we use Eartha Pit Toilet as usual. And it is very, very, very hot this day. Yeah, I mean, this is time, like, we're probably in the mid-afternoon right now, and so the sun has been just kind of scorching everything, and so it was definitely in the higher 80s at this point. And we and are know, now... because on... I checked in with my ex-boyfriend weather. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Right, and weather told you. Mm, and weather did and tell because me. Because weather never lies. Uh, no, it lies all Mm-mm. the time. It does. That's why we can't trust him. No. So, this was trail number four for the day. It was going to be a 1.4 mile round trip. And um, we learn quickly that we will have to ascend very quickly. And it's basically like an up and over for the first section. And that then we will be heading back down to the um, floodplain of the river and eventually ending up in the canyon wall to meet the river. Right. Even though at this point in the day, we are pretty darn beat. We don't think we'll make it back down to this section of the park. Um, So we were just like, we got to utilize our time. We're here. Um, We might as well hike this. And so we geared up. Uh, We had, you know, plenty of water with us at this point. We did see a sign as we were approaching the trail. This was a great sign. mm -hmm, Of a woman who looked like she's dying that (laughs) the signage said, are you prepared for this hike? (laughs) And I'm glad that that signage is there. I mean, it was, it's humorous only in the fact that it's so over the top, but it needs to be. We do love over-the-top signage. Mm-hmm. We are here for it. I mean, my favorite is the illustrated signs of people walking on the um, the thermal areas at in Yellowstone. Because those are some sort of wonderful. I mean, don't yeah. ever do that. But And the signs are there for a reason. But there is definitely some really great illustration happening in those signs. So we appreciated this as well. We did. Starting this hike um, was immediately 
uh, incline mm-hmm. elevation. Mm-hmm. We do see some people coming back. When we get to the top of the section, we do get a very beautiful view of the Rio Grande. Mm-hmm. The rest of the trail just leads toward the Rio Grande, which we know we're going to get down there. And then when we have to come back, we're going to have to ascend all this again mm-hmm. to go back down. Yes. Descending down and knowing that our trail is along the river, we think that we're going to go to the right when we get down because that's exactly where we're seeing the river at our right. However, we actually get to the bottom and have to veer to the left. And it is very lush down here. Um, It sort of gives that feel of the oasis section that we were just in. Um, And it makes a lot of sense because we're in the floodplain area of the river. So this is an area that's more sustainable for life, more sustainable for deciduous trees to kind of hang out. And we've seen this sort of situation in other parks where it's more arid. I'm thinking about Theodore Roosevelt when we were on the North Achenbach Trail, um, where everything was much greener and more um, tall plant life down towards the river. So we're kind of on these sandy pathways that lead us through these kind of green hedges and trees. And eventually we pop out by the river and a field of like smooth river rock. It was right here that we saw a stork land across the water. Loved that. Living your bird fantasies all through Big Bend. And then as we continued on, the canyon walls really start to appear as we come out of the trees. We do hear some voices, and then we eventually see that there are other people over by the river. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of people, there were a lot of kids in the river, like a mom with her teenage kids, and they were like swimming literally across the river. Because it's not very wide here. It is a very narrow section of the river in this canyon area. As we're walking, there's a lot of round, kind of medium-sized rocks here that make up the, I'm going to air quotes this trail, Um, and eventually we find our way off of these to some more level ground. So we walk along this, essentially it's a river path, like a path that is along the river, a canyon is stretching up above, and um, eventually we see a beach. We hike a little further to get more into the canyon, and we can see that people are swimming, and that there are kids swimming. And we start to see the little mouths of the canyon. Bokeas means little mouths. So that makes sense. Right. We do see some other things as we're walking on this trail or this river rock or this river walk. Um, There are pieces of artwork that are for sale that are sort of just left on the river. And it's been left by folks from Mexico that, you know, are asking, you know, if you take something to leave some monetary donation. We also see a boat across the river that's like moored on the shore we decide finally we're like all right we've seen everything we can see here so we decide to turn around and we hike back through the trees we um see some scat on the way out but realize it was just horses because then we were able to see the horse prints Mm -hmm. um and we trudge all the way back up and it wasn't even so bad even though we were tired and it was hot wasn't so bad on the way back up and um, we headed back down towards the parking lot, de-geared, and got in the car. And at this point, we made our way towards Rio Grande Village, which was not far from here at all. We got to the visitor center that's here. It's like a camp store, actually, um, because this is also a camping section of the park. I think the both of us were like, nope, we're done. We're not going to do the nature trail, even though it's relatively short um it was late in the day we just vegged you had gone in to i think use the bathroom and came back out with like a multitude of snacks and you're like here's some ice cream here's some other snacks oh and we they just had our fritos in there 
and they had our good old, you know, flavor twist Fritos. And so we just kind of vegged in the car and then decided that our best course of action, again, this was our first day of hiking. We had done a lot, um, was to probably just head back and to veg out at the Airbnb, which was our little rustic Airbnb. And that's exactly what we did. And with that, let's take our second break. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage. Jesse Spano time. Jesse Spano time. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm yes. so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Yep. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Berkeley giving us an absolutely iconic performance. Um, she was giving us full on like addicted to caffeine pills, drug addict addiction level like Oscar worthy realness <laughs> regarding caffeine pills mm-hmm. because she went you know what here this is what I'm gonna do everybody they're writing this for me great that's fine I'm we're gonna in. do it I'm gonna lean in and make this iconic mm-hmm. and what's the thing we all remember her for that, that and, and showgirls show yep <laughs> the gays have spoken they have and then <laughs> not only here's the thing right and uh, as if the gays have not spoken enough for like their love of Elizabeth Berkeley that we even put her in the first wives club. We did. That's right. Uh, Monique. I'm Monique's mother. (laughs) (laughs) And you can play my My mother. (laughs) Oh no. And then she goes, mommy, mommy. (laughs) Right. Right. She's 16 bill. Mm -hmm. I think it's time we start using the F word. Felony. Felony. Yep, this quickly became a First Wives Club Listen, podcast. And it for the record, easily... if you don't know, the First Wives Club film was written it. by the same person that wrote the Steel Magnolias film. I didn't know that. Yeah, I told you this the last we hung out. Oh, well. The last time we watched um, First Wives Club, which was like, I mean, we've watched it probably 1,100 times mm-hmm. this year. So <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Every minute on the minute. Every minute on the minute. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so who is Jesse Spano time? Jesse Spano time. Now, I feel like she has a lot. I feel like she's like a Bill Nye the Science Guy okay. inspired drag queen. Like she's doing an astrophysicist. Astrophysicist. I think she's making astrophysics or just physics generally very palatable. Oh, okay. And very sort of fun and like part of her drag. Is she sort of also invoking um the movie Weird Science? I can't remember who Totally. Yeah. Like I can't remember the like the the plot of that other than they like invent they invent a woman, a woman who and, comes to life. Mm-hmm. I think she's a computer program. That right. then like becomes real. Right. So yeah, I feel like that feels really good for her. I like the intersection of drag and learning. Mm. I think it's great. It is a great intersection. And to make like physics more accessible is I think such a great way, such a great thing to use drag for. Mm-hmm. You know, like why not? I mean, yeah. drag is inherently going to be fun and exciting no matter what. Right. So like, um, yeah. And some people would be like, physics, what? But I'm like, hell yeah, physics. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I think she's got to sing Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. She's got all of the time songs. Right. Right. Like, um, Hung Up Time. Yeah. We have that mm-hmm. Time After Time, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also going to add It Takes a Little Time by the 
Amy Grant. The Amy Grant. In her repertoire. <laughs> um, I think her merch is uh, probably like, um, I don't know. Like, I kind of want it to be a science physics fun pack. I think so. I feel like something you could get at like a science museum type thing. Yeah, But exactly. a, with a drag lilt to it. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. exciting. It's like, oh, what's here. that pendulum thank swinging you. thing? There we go. The, with the balls that hit each other. That's mm-hmm. right. Something <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take that for where, you know, exactly. take that wherever you want to go with it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that's Jesse Spano time. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously she iconically does like, I'm so excited by mm-hmm. the Pointer Sisters. Yeah. And it goes into the, um, you know, Elizabeth Berkeley monologue. Sure. About, I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Like, she does all of that because she's yeah. got to do the Jesse Spano of references. Of course, of course. And yeah, and she's got the Jesse Spano looks. Well, I like that she's also on Saved by the Bell and I feel like we associate bells, especially in school, with time. I like so that So you know too. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do feel like there's some um, perhaps guest performances by other drag artists that um, are doing other Saved by the Bell characters. Mm-hmm. Like Macy Slater. Sure. <laughs> Macy Slater. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then um, who else? Um, Instead of Screech, it's Preach. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, what was and, Kelly's um, last name? Kapowski. Kapowski. I mean, I feel like that's already like Kapowski. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 And Lisa Turtle. Lisa Turtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's L-E-A-S-A. She she rents out turtles. <laughs> Thank That's you. it. We're doing it, she everybody. We got a show. Out turtles. Mm-hmm. We got we a do. show. We do. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage. Jesse Spano time. All right, everybody. So... Let's talk about the fossil discovery exhibit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we should have honestly. This is where we should have put Deliria, like yeah, um, that drag queen, because we were fully both like we went into that bathroom at the end of the South Room Trail, got out our makeup, transformed <laughs> ourselves both into versions of Deliria, and then set off about truly the rest outrageous. Of the day. <laughs> Literally, I mean, mm-hmm. we were just like in another see like i we can't we've already invented deliria but deliria to me absolutely looks like you know there's no dana only zool yeah just like run through like a ragged like wind storm Mm -hmm. and like is still trying to do trails that's deliria and that is who we were this, this was day. post South Rim Trail, so this is our second day of hiking the small trail, which is more of a small experience. But it is an interpretive exhibit about fossils and dinosaurs, and it is not to be missed at all because there were dinosaurs mm-hmm. in this area, right? And they have all the information about them there, and you want to see them. And it's a cool, it's a very cool space. The space itself was, I think, just as cool as the exhibit. We are totally deliriously exhausted. We sat for an hour after South Rim. This was another case of we either do this now or we probably aren't going to come back to the section of the park because we had other things bookmarked for the, the third day that we were there. We're like, okay, 
this is what we're going to do. And I just remember leaving the visitor center to walk the not very far distance to the car was an incredibly painful experience. Oh, my like, God. I we felt were, like I had ridden uh, a horse for yes. days. Saddle sore. <laughs> Take yeah. that for what it's worth. <laughs> so saddle sore. Mm-hmm. This was an outdoor exhibit, mm-hmm. which was super cool. So it wasn't like we had to wait for you know it to open or anything nope. like that or were afraid it was going to close. It's an outdoor experience mm-hmm. that's fully curated and you know there's you know that doesn't mean like it's not shaded it's like it's like an outdoor interior space yes yep and it's a sustainable building which was very cool as well so to get here you go basically you drive the park road to the panther junction visitor center and then depending on which way you're coming from we were coming from chisos basin think we made a left down to this road and this was a very interesting section of the park the exhibit itself is very cool and put together in a very wonderful accessible way so big bend has one of the most diverse fossil records in north america mostly because so much happened in the geological time scale in this park including and you guessed it the western interior seaway one of our favorite interior seaways yeah, the the most favorite the wes as it were so if you remember from last season the western interior seaway it covered a large swath of north america and was a shallow sea only like a thousand to two thousand feet deep many areas were covered by the western interior sea specifically in the plains um, the plains were covered for a much longer period of time, so their fossil records relate more to the creatures of the sea, the mosasaurs, and less of the terrestrial creatures, which were the dinosaurs. Dino DNA. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this was also like Emily's favorite thing about like uh, scientific history um, that we talked to in our trail mix called um, Driving Curiosity Driving Curiosity Mm -hmm. with Emily Hoff and Megan Keller and Big Bend had it both ways terrestrial dinosaurs as well as sea creatures right because the sea here receded a little faster than it did in other parts of the country there was a time where both existed not concurrently but at different time periods parking in the lot the building itself is pretty much a very dominant feature in the landscape but it is a cool very interesting rusted metal structure that from a green environmental standpoint is very green so there's catchments for water um, solar panels it's open air slatted walls there and there are some open doorways and windows the building is doing itself within the park to not draw upon any additional resources which i thought was really great and i think it's a really cool way especially for a desert park to have a space like this i agree there is so much to learn regarding the history of fossil discovery in this area called the united states but also particularly in this area also called big bend national park as well as the different epochs from which fossils have been discovered. Okay, I loved this exhibit. I loved this exhibit because it wasn't overwhelming. I mean, it gave you what you came for, which was dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. You showed up for dinosaurs. It brought the dinosaurs. So what I liked was the sort of like... um, it gave like life-size replicas of different parts of dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. um, And... uh, like it had like a really giant like open area in the center where you could sit on different benches and there was a giant like pterodactyl overhead right 
like each of the cases, like the rooms were subdivided into sort of the different epochs of time within the park where dinosaurs or mosasaurs or other creatures roamed, you know, other megaflora and megafauna. So it was really interesting. There were these um, artists recreated. I'm pretty sure they were probably like a computer generated image of the different, you know, creatures that you would see at the different time periods and sort of like a rendering of what it might look like in the park at this time, which when you think about this area of the United States right now, it's like hard to imagine this was once a lush paradise or this was once a sea. Like it's anytime we think about geological time, we really have to use our imagination and use the science that's available to us to better understand what came thousands, if not millions of years before we were here. I think the exhibit does a great job at allowing you to access that part of your imagination while being very informative and really showing you the variety of creatures that once called this space their home. And um, there's this big open window sort of like on one side. I mean, the, the whole big room. space is yeah. very big and open. It's yeah. an outdoor space that has brought interior to the outdoors, right. essentially. So um, you can see along the desert landscape, like different things and they have different spots like that they outline and on an interpretive sign about like you know these kind of fossils were found here and you can see the spot and these kind of fossils were found here and you can see the spot and they also have like a viewfinder that you could look through if you wanted to Mm -hmm. after spending some time within each of the spaces when you walk out of the museum there is a bit of a hill that you can also walk up which again we were very exhausted but decided you're here we're gonna walk up the hill Um, It's paved, which was nice, but um, you're able to get an even better view of sort of the plane that you were seeing behind the museum through that large window um, and kind of get a chance to take in more of the landscape here and learn a little bit more about fossil discovery in the park through some other signage as you're making your way up the hill. It's a very special space to be able to experience because it is unique. I think anytime you're able to in a park get a little bit more than beyond like the general time scape of like human beings in the park. I'm always fascinated. Absolutely. Like, like yeah. we're like, we're beyond human history here. We are in the very distant past. Um, and so this allows visitors and allowed us to really have a very special experience that gave us a little bit more than what we were able to see or what we were able able to better understand of things that have happened within the human time scale of things, which I think is always fantastic to have that. And we highly recommend the fossil exhibit. Don't go to Big Bend and not do it. Totally worth it. All right, so... Quickly, let's put the Chihuahua Desert Nature Trail on the Karen Stone scale. I'd say a two. I'm going to say a two only because, like, watch out for the cacti. Right. And also, I think for some people that might be a little nervous to drive out there, it'd be difficult. Maybe. Also, it's not, like, it's not a paved path. So if you have mobility issues, it may not be the thing for you to be able to do. So, But I do feel like it is 
a very flat, mostly very easily accessible path. Um, so a two feels right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So four out of 20 Karen mm-hmm. stones. Mm-hmm. And then the Boquillas Canyon Trail, I'm giving it a four. I was going to say a three. Okay. I think it's just that, you know, depending on where you're going, grunt. that initial grunt, it's not bad because the rest of it is very flat and you're along the river. It's very, very short. Like it, I felt shorter in some ways than the, um, the, the nature loop, but it wasn't. It, no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. But I did feel like once you got down onto the other side, yeah. you were essentially seeing everything that you were going to see. Exactly. Okay, so seven out of 20 Karen stones. Yeah. And I don't think we can even put the fossil exhibit on a Karen stone scale. It was like a place to visit. That's right. So an experience. Um, an experience. And so let's end this episode like we end all of our episodes with some Jeopardy style trivia. Do you want to start us off today, Mike? Sure. So since our title was Small Trails, my Jeopardy is called Small, Medium, and Large. Oh. So I'm going to be, it's going to be a, a complete the phrases with one word that is a size-based word. Okay, great. Um, so I'm trying to think of like a, a good example. Like for Long Island Medium. Well, it would be more like... Um, Large power plant, power tool, like they all share the word power. You know what I mean? So, but it'll be a size word that is the shared word. Does oh, that I makes sense. I got it. Like, I got it. Yeah. Power strip. So, strip, tool, and um, plant got would it. be the words you'd get. And you'd have to give me the first word that would connect them all. Great. But it'll Great. be a size but word. But it'll be a size word. Okay. okay. Great. So, for 100, summer, field, range. Mid? Correct. Okay. Midsummer, midfield, and midrange. Great. And I, th- I think there's six of them. For 200, potatoes, scale, and pond. Small. Correct. Small what is potatoes, small? small scale, small pond. For 300, Tim, Toon, and Desk. What is tiny? Correct. Tiny Tim, tiny Toon, tiny Desk. For 400, Bearer, Time, Issue. What is big? Mm-mm. This one's a big little bearer with <laughs> big bearer. Um, what is standard? Standard bearer, standard time, oh, okay. standard issue. I got it. I got it. Okay. For five hundred, headed, ticket, and dog. What is big? Yes, that's correct. Big headed, big ticket, big dog, and lastly for six hundred, screen. Mouthed and awake. What is wide? Correct. Wide screen, wide mouthed, wide awake. Great job. Okay, great. Are you ready for mine? I am. Um, my category is called I am the ending. Okay. And it's about plural nouns that um, end with an I. Okay. So, like, like radii, for example, octopuses, octopi would be octopi. Mm-hmm. However, there's a rule here. Okay. Sometimes the rule is yes, this term, this plural noun ends with an I, and that is the answer. Mm-hmm. Or it's yes, 
this term ends with an I and that is the answer. Also, the ES could also be an answer. Okay. However, the reason they're different is because if it is a Latin root word, the Latin root word ends in I always. Sure. Octopus is not a Latin root word. Therefore, octopuses and octopi is correct. Oh, I don't like the first one. Well, octopuses. I mean, who does? But here we go (laughs) for 100. Great. This type of organism has its own kingdom in taxonomy and is most often associated with mushrooms. What is fungi? And so now after each answer, I'm going to say, is it Latin or not Latin? Oh, God. And you have to say not Latin. And therefore, what would funguses? And that is correct. Okay. Okay, great. For 200. This term means that multiple people may call an educational institution their alma mater. What is alumni? Yes, correct. Is it Latin? Yes. Correct. So alumnus would be the singular, and then alumni is the the plural. Alumnuses is not the plural Mm -hmm. and will never be the plural. plural. (laughs) Ain't ever going to be the plural. (laughs) No, no. Mm -hmm. Creme brulee can never be jello. Mm -hmm. That's the... My big, uh, my best friend's wedding reference for all of you out there. For 300, this term means you have many books, all of which list not definitions, but synonyms of words. What is thesauri? That is correct. Is it Latin? Yes. Incorrect. Oh. It is not Latin. Therefore, thesauruses is correct. Okay. Also. And for 400, this is a plural term for the measurement of of something from a center point as in a circle. What is a radii? That is right. And is it Latin? Yes. Incorrect. Damn it. It is not Latin. (laughs) So radiuses is also correct. And finally for 500. This plural word can refer to anything that awakens something else in any way, often associated with motivation and would be a part of the scientific parallel of the literary cause and effect. I don't know. We were looking for stimuli. Oh. So is stimuli Latin or not? Not. It is Latin. Damn it. And therefore, (laughs) the only plural form for stimulus is stimuli. You don't want your stimuluses? (laughs) Correct. This has been Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast, and we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gazeatthenationalparks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, gazeatthenationalparks.com. And that's Gaze, G-A-Z-E. All original artwork featured on Instagram, on our website, and in the Gaze Shop is by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was written and performed by Dave Seaman and Mariella Klinger with Sean Scleos on guitar. This episode was edited by me, Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Ocean County, New Jersey.